This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I, for one, am amazed at how fast September seems to be whipping past us. It's already September 25th. Justin Klein and I are very glad to have you join us for this program, and we spend a good deal of our time and resources to produce the show, because I like doing it. I do enjoy doing it. I really do. And we always, always present unbiased investment and financial analysts. Our objective is to help you become an above-average investor. That's the job that we have assigned to ourselves. We do. It's true. Our economy is going pretty strong. President Trump addressed the U.N. today, and there's a lot of interest, uh, interesting market news, not just him addressing the U.N. I'll run through a couple of the headlines. Number one, Qualcomm accuses Apple. Did you hear this? Qualcomm accuses Apple of stealing chip secrets and giving them to Intel. So if you're an investor in Qualcomm or Apple, it certainly looks like there's going to be some kind of lawsuit. What's interesting is they're claim that, that, that Qualcomm is claiming theft, theft of trade secrets. That's different than patent infringement. So you're going to watch this closely and see what this is going to be all about. Another headline, home price gains decelerate. Home price gains decelerate to 11-month low as housing market tries for softening landing. Now, it's, remember, they're deceler- the gains are decelerating. Not that the price is going down. It's not going up as fast. That's what this is saying. It's a pretty sharp slowdown, and you should not be a secret to any of you out there because I've been talking about this for three months. That looks like, and writing about it, looks like there's cracks in the home uh, in the in the housing market, and it's just getting those cracks are just getting become more visible. Uh, you know, there's an imbalance between supply and demand. There's overheating prices, rising mortgage rates, uh, limited offerings of homes to buy. All these have you know been issues. So it's a matter of time before housing sales slowdown becomes a reality. It's going to happen. We just don't know when and how fast, how much. Has this affected you at all yet? Feel free to call with questions I would, or even statements as to what's going on in your area. Finally, here's a positive news headline we noticed today. Average FICO scores, FICO credit scores, hits all-time high. Apparently, more Americans are aware of their credit score and how it can impact their financial future. We're going to talk about that a little bit more here in just a few minutes. But first, let's find out what our InvestTalk listeners are thinking. Here's a question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. How's it going, guys? Love your podcast. Listen to it every day. Uh, Jeff from New Jersey. Quick question. What is your guys' opinion when the dollar is getting weaker for buying commodities or buying commodity stocks? Looking forward to the answer. Have a good one. Yeah, usually commodities, gold, precious metals, if the dollar goes down, they go up. Now, the dollar peaked in August, about a little bit before the middle of August. And since then, it's been slowly coming down, the dollar has. So commodities will do well if the dollar goes down in value. 
And that's a big if, though. I mean, I remember how strong the economy is, our economy. You know, compare that to Europe and compare that to Japan, compare that even to China. Our economy is the strongest one out there right now. So, it's, you know, you're assuming that our dollar is going to go down and continue to go down. I don't know if that's a case. It has peaked and come off that peak. But remember, currencies are traded against each other. And, you know, how we make how we feel about the dollar, it always all comes down to what impacts other currencies compared to our currency. And that comes down to the economies. Really. The economies. Of course, it could be a short-term issue, you know, uh, a war or something, you know, high inflation. I mean, that, yeah, that could be, that could affect the dollar. But it really comes down to economies. What, how good or strong or weak, comparatively speaking, are the economies? And ours are pretty strong. So I don't know if it's going to get that weak. Okay. Good call, though. Good question. I like that question. Now, there was a report on CNBC.com that caught my attention today. Uh, the average credit score for Americans has hit an all-time high for the first time. The average national FICO, F-I-C-O, FICO score has reached 704. 704. So, in fact, credit scores on average have been steadily rising since the last deep recession, the 2008-2009 recession. Now, the 704 score is from FICO, developer, you know, it's in FICO developer, one of the most commonly used scores by lenders, FICO scores, I think you all know. And the FICO scores, you know what the range is? 300 to 850. So your credit score plays a big role in your daily life. It can determine the interest rate on, your cons on, on you for your credit cards, your car loans, your mortgages, and whether, they, and whether someone's going to even lend you money. So the average credit score is most recently bottom. Remember in that recession we have? The low back there, that housing crisis, the low was 686. That was the low, average, low. Okay, and that's when all those foreclosures happen. Now a score of 704 is considered solidly good. Not great. You know what a great score is? 760 or higher. That's considered excellent. 760. Do you know what your credit score is? Just to see. More people understand their credit behaviors and scores, and they are checking their scores more often. It's becoming more and more important to them. Now, new standards for public records, which stripped all civil judgments and tax liens from the credit reports, have also played the role in driving overall credit scores higher. And one aspect of Washington concerned the fact that as the number of credit cards accounts in the U.S. rises, the majority of new customers are subprime borrowers, generally meaning those with a credit score of 660 or lower. That's interesting, isn't it? I think it is. It could be a problem being that low for the new borrowers, the new borrowers. Now, I've talked about this before. It is essential for you to be aware of your credit score. You really need to know. So think about that. Now, how, how you handle, you know, your 401ks, your stock accounts, and all those other things are not nearly as important as your credit score if you're thinking about buying a home. Credit scores are really, really important. 
So what do Justin and I always stress on InvestTalk? Investors need to remember that financial variables and therefore market variations are complex. So when you get to the point where you realize you could very possibly benefit from our experience, you know, our guidance, give me a call. We want to, We encourage you to reach out to us, either Justin or myself. You can call, go to investor.com, send me an email message, or call our KPP financial office at Dana Point. You can call, leave a message on even the listener line. You can do that too. We are ready to help you. We can offer investment strategy and can be both more uh, uh, secure and more profitable for you. That's the hope. That's the goal. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I invite you to take our free risk questionnaire at investtalk.com. Justin and I can use the results to assess your investor tolerance for risk. You know, that's all what the market, stock market's all about risk and how to, how to manage it. So we can help you apply what your risk score is to your portfolio. We can do that. If you just ask the risk, just take the risk questionnaire. That's all you do. Pretty simple. It's quick and easy. Our Tuesday show is off and running, and we're taking your questions, so give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. Looking at the calendar, we are already in the last week of September. Here's a constructive idea. If you can find a few minutes to invest in learning how to improve your portfolio's performance, head over to investtalk.com. Read about one of the many strategic investing programs offered to clients of KPP Financial. And while you're there, be sure to take the Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire. For now, Steve is here, the phone lines are open, and he's taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, today's feature talking point. America is winning the trade war. This is an opinion piece. America is winning the trade war. But he spells out why he thinks that's true. Well, at least that's one expert saying that, okay? I'm just saying that. I think we were winning it too, but you know, I don't want to make that conclusion yet. So we'll examine it, take a look at it, and see what you think. Some of the other topics we're going to talk about today. How about uh, habits you need to cultivate? Your own personal habits need to cultivate. Analysts warns of a top-heavy stock market. What does that mean? Yeah, we're talking about that. And fasten your seatbelt. October is almost here. Now, October. Remember I told you back in August, or even as back years ago, but I've been talking about that September and October are the two worst months of the year. They're very volatile. Well, which uh, which is worse, September or October? October. This report out here from Chapel Hill, North North Carolina, shows that that volatility, the worst volatility is in October, by far, by the way, according to their numbers, by 40% more than... Uh, September, November, and December, which are the four mo- four most volatile months. Volatile, try to remember, volatile doesn't mean down. It means up or down, and or up and down. Either or. Volatility just means movement. So just that's why you need to fasten your seatbelt. There's movement coming up. And it looks like I think it's going to be 
I think it's going to be a lot of movement in October for some reason. This is my gut feeling. And my gut can be wrong, but that's what my feeling is. Let's go to Paul Walnut Creek. How you doing, Paul? Oh, great, Steve. I'm sure appreciate uh, the service you provide, an uh, unbiased opinion about uh, everything. And, and this particular Thank you. thing that I'm stumped on, yeah, I, I really, really, it's really much appreciated by me anyway. Um, so recently, I bought uh, long-term care insurance about five years ago. I was 60 years old. Mm-hmm. My wife and I are 61, 60 years old at the time. Now, five years later, we just got a big bump in the, the cost of the long-term yep. care insurance. We knew that was a possibility, and it went yeah. up like 40%. So it <laughs> went from being like four grand for the two of us for some fair long-term insurance, like at the current price, was give you about $250 right. a day for four years right. uh, mm-hmm. of coverage, and it would increase... Right. 5% a year, the, the, the coverage amount. And then, um, but it went from that to like 5500 And so that was kind of rude. And so I thought, well, how much money would I need to set aside to self-insure? Exactly. See, that's, you're thinking right now, Paul. That's exactly how you have to think about it. Because I've done this many, 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 many times. There are times when, when your long-term care, and for everybody else, long-term care is when you get sick, and but you're not, you don't have to be in a hospital, but you need help. That's what long-term care is about. You know, it could be in a, could be in a nursing home, it could be a home, but you need care, and that's what you're paying for. Then the biggest, my, um, and Paul, you hit on the biggest complaint I have. As you get older and older, they keep raising the prices. And it gets so expensive, you finally cancel it, and then next year you need it. That's how they work it. They want you to. They want to make the pain such that you cancel it. That's why I don't like even starting off buying it. But I'd rather you put the money aside. I think putting the money aside makes a lot of sense. If you and your wife are fairly healthy, I would put the money aside and self-insure. That's what I would do. Paul, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We'll finish this on the other side of our break. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining us here today. And if you can find a minute to subscribe to Invest Talk Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or you know Spotify, it would help us raise the visibility of the show, and I always want to do that. All you have to do is subscribe, rate, and review. So I'm ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. The KPP Premium Newsletter packs a lot of market news, process explanations, and even stock ideas into a concise summary every Friday. You can subscribe at investtalk.com. It's only $9 per month. That's if you subscribe now and beat the coming October price increase. You're listening to Invest Talk. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Okay, you know I've been talking about this trade conflict and I said that uh, we need to think about this in the sense that uh, we're probably going to win because our trading partners depend on us way more than they we depend on them. Well, here's a opinion piece. America's winning the trade war and here's the proof. 
Market Watcher says, and this is an article by, uh, by came out of CNBC. And what is the proof? They say, okay, you don't have to look much further than the voting machine called the stock market. Look at our stock market, the U.S. market, since the trade war really got started or trade conflict, whatever you want to call it. Look at our stock market and look at the Chinese stock market. The Chinese index is down 24% this year. Ours isn't. Ours is up. Not a lot, but it's up. So... Um, that right there telling you that, at least from an uh, investor's point of view, we're winning. But that's not the only thing that he talks about. It says, uh, look at, the, look at the, the tariffs, the, the total amounts of tariffs. He estimates that, that tax cuts, repatriation, and government spending should bring in total about $2 trillion through uh, two trillion more dollars to our economy through 2020, and while this round of tariffs is only going to cost us about 200 billion over the same stretch of time, so we're going to have an increase of two trillion, and the tariffs are going to cost us 200 billion, 10 percent. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot about oh, it's called more more things are more expensive for the consumer because China is you know is raising prices. I I understand that, but. You got to look at it from an economic point of view. That's a good. That's a great trade-off. And so, from you know, I, I don't think we should worry about it so much. I mean, it's always in the news, but we need to win this trade war. We need to be the ne- the economic powerhouse of the next industrial revolution. And what's the next industrial revolution? What is it? It's going to be all about key technologies, such as automation, artificial intelligence, robotics, the Internet of Things to come, 3D printing, blockchain. We need to be the leaders in those things, which we are right now, but we need to keep that edge if we want to have a a vibrant economy in the next 10, 20 years. If you control those technologies, if you do... You'll be the world, the preeminent economic power in the world. You'll maintain it. If we let Chinese, China do it, they're going to be the preeminent power of the world. Now, we need to win this trade war, and there's nothing wrong with having it at this stage. Now, yeah, there's going to be impact. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it isn't. But I, I'm thinking, you know, this is the time to have it if we're going to have it. Now we can squeeze in one caller. Question one more. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Stephanie from Phoenix. Uh, Calling back, I called previously inquiring about what I should do with 20 shares of Medtronic MDT that I purchased around $71. And I noticed that it's, up to 90, almost 97, and I've been reading target prices of approximately $100 or in that ballpark and wanted to see what you thought the target price would be and also if I should just go ahead and sell the shares since I only bought 20 and I'm still kicking myself about that. (laughs) Should have bought more, but coulda, shoulda, woulda. Anyways, Thank you for your time. Have a good day. 
Okay, Medtronics uh, develops implantable cardiac rhythmic devices, spinal implants, and other device-based medical therapies. Very good company, $135 billion. They're going to make $5.12. That's the estimate this year, up 7%. Then $5.55 a share next year. That's another 8%. Sales are kind of flat, not growing. And I think you're getting really close to the peak of the stock. I do. Uh, the the five-year range is 30 13, the five-year range of the P.E. ratio is 13 to 20. And at 20 P.E. ratio of $5.55, you're looking at, you know, what, $110? So $100 is a good target price. It's at $99 today. Now, should you sell them all? You might follow up with a tight stop. In other words, what if it keeps rising over and you, you bail out? I, I would just follow with a tight stop. But I do think $100 is a very good target price, and it's probably going to you know, have some hiccups when it gets there. It might start to, as early as tomorrow. But, yeah, I, 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 you don't, don't expect it to go much higher than where it is. It's just not. not. It doesn't have the valuation. People could drive it, you know, because it could be all about a momentum. Right now it's a kind of a momentum stock. So might want to stay with it while it's in an upward trend. When it stops, breaks that trend line, you can draw a trend line on the chart, breaks it on the downside, get out. Tomorrow on Talk, recession fears are a small dark cloud, but can the Federal Reserve slow the economy without causing it to crash? And that story is going to be tomorrow. ICPs, I am ready to take your questions. And the number is 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course, and along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP Financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day, and there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be, and the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now let's continue with the podcast. This is Invest Talk. Please make sure you subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Then listen, rate, and review. Question. Have you thought about asking Steve Peasley for a no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review? You should. It's easy. Steve can set up a telephone conversation or a Skype consultation. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions, and Steve will have unbiased answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, fasten your seatbelts because October is almost here. A study. This is a study. You know how I like studies, right? Uh, the, 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 uh, there was a study uh, going back since the beginning of the Dow. 
And it was a month-to-month study of the volatility on a monthly basis. And so the average volatility is a little bit a, a little bit under what you know the uh, this is all about standard deviation okay the standard the the main the at uh, the everybody knows that standard deviations start at one anything above it anything below it you're going to measure it and just see how how far away the standard deviation is the various months when it comes to volatility okay now you can see there's a chart that I'm looking at, and the months that have the above average uh, deviation from the standard is September, October, November, and December. And the rest of the months are below. The rest of the months. Now, uh, October, is the, which is the highest standard deviation, which is most volatile, is 1.44%, meaning it's 44% above the standard deviation. The next closest is 1.2, a little less than 1.2 for November, so 20%. So October is by far. September is 1.15. So October is the most. The rest of the months are below, one or below, basically. So what does that tell us? That just tells you that over since the beginning of time, since the Dow has been around, that October is the most volatile. And by the way, even if you took out the October 19th, 1987, which was at 20% one day, you take that out. And you take out a couple others of those big, huge outlier numbers, October is still the highest, most volatile month of the year. Now, isn't that interesting? And some other interesting facts. Uh, October, October's above average volatility doesn't have to translate into below average returns. Just because it's more volatile doesn't mean it's bad. It does not mean it's bad. It could be high. So I, I thought that was interesting, too. Of the 35 bull markets since 1900 in the calendar maintained by Ned Davis Research, eight got the start in October. 35 bull markets since 1900, eight got a start in October. That's twice as many as any of the other 11 months. So what does that tell you? That the market bottoms or starts to rally hard starting in October a lot of times more than normal, more than any other months. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> now, also, just as interesting, uh, long-term investors, uh, chances are that doesn't represent the beginning of a new bear market, all right? It does not. Because of the 35 bear markets, 35, one began in October. So that says, okay, yeah, you might have a correction, but you're not going to have a bell market in October. And it's not very common the bear market ever starts in October. But it is volatile. Isn't, you know, all those things, are, I think, are pretty interesting. But I kind of knew that. I just never had the stats to back me up. Okay, one of our listeners calls. I uh, called earlier with a question about the three-day rule. So let's take that call and see just what they want to know. 
Hey guys, I was wondering if you could explain what the three-day rule was. I'm pretty sure it means after there's a big uh, move with a stock, like big news or a big change that happens with a, a stock or company, that you should wait until after three days before buying or selling the security. Uh, I was wondering if you could just give me some clarification on this, because I've heard this terminology being thrown around, and uh, I don't necessarily understand it. Furthermore, can you explain if you guys utilize that rule, or if there's any other way that we should be perceiving this rule or not follow it at all? Uh, thanks. I'll be listening on the podcast. Okay, I'm not sure. We might be talking two different things here because a three-day rule is a, usually referred to clearing a stock. If you buy a stock or sell a ta- stock, it takes three days for it to clear, meaning it, it doesn't really complete the transaction for three days. So let's say you sold the, let's say you sold all the stocks in your portfolio and you want them to send you the money. It'll take them three days for the stocks to clear and they'll have the cash to send you. Now, this day and age with computers, I think that's bad. It could be done instantly, but the SEC gives them three days. You might be talking about something different, but I don't consider that a rule. And that is if the stock makes a big move up and down one day, a huge move up or down, you don't react to it for at least three days. Because a lot of times if it moves up, it gives some of that back or if it moves down, it'll crawl back up. But so you don't you don't want to make a decision that day because most people, if you did, that's usually a mostly emotional decision. That's mostly an emotional decision. So you take three days and see where the see if this is actually a trend or just a one-time thing. You just now that's not really a rule, but that's common. So I'm not sure which of those. The rule is that three-day clearing rule. So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I want to take a moment to thank you, all the dedicated listeners that you know that meet with me, reserve a time to meet with me in San Jose, and my upcoming October 3rd date, as I mentioned, completely full, and just don't have any spaces left. However, there's a good news for Invest Talk listeners in Southern California. Or anywhere in the country, really. You too, you can, too can reap the benefits of my no-cost, no-obligation portfolio reviews. We do it for free. Okay, I do it I, anytime you want. I'll take a look at your holdings. To get started, just send me an email, a message. Just, you know, leave a, leave a message. You can go to investor.com, send me an email, send me a copy of your portfolio. I'll take a look at it. Okay? Anyways. Uh, I can set up a telephone conversation also or Skype conversation if you like. Either one. The phone lines are open. We are taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial, where each Friday, subscribers to the KPP Premium Newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news. It's sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing. The cost now through September is only $9 per month. And if you act now, you'll stay ahead of the coming October price increase. Remember, you'll get targeted value, formatted for fast consumption, 
when you become a KPP Premium Newsletter subscriber at investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. I have kind of a sizable position in Twitter, TWTR, and I uh, just wanted you to get your opinion on what you guys thought of the current landscape of it. Is it kind of bottoming out around the 30 to $35 range? I mean, not much of a bottom if they're fluctuating, but you know what I mean. Anyway, just want to get your opinion on that. Let me know what you think. Be listening on the podcast. Should I be buying? Should I sell? What should I do? You guys are the experts, and I will listen to you. That was a rhyme. You're welcome. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Okay, uh, you don't ever want too much of any one thing. So if you're overloaded in Twitter, you need to rebalance your portfolio and not have too much. I don't like seeing more than 5% of a portfolio of any one stock. That's very dangerous. I usually buy three and let it grow if I can. Uh, Twitter, the social media stocks have been under pressure, and that means you got, that means both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, both uh, the, my biggest, one of my bigger concerns that no one's really talking about is how much the impact uh, po- politics will make on these stocks, and I think it's going to be, I think they're going to get more and more. Pol- the politicians are going to get more and more into into this type of business and with oversight. Think about this recently with uh, Google and their search engine. With there's some articles about, you know, how they were going to change their searches and to favor one politician over another. When you get stuff like that, you're gonna you're just a dot you're gonna attract you're gonna attract regulation. So I said when you get so big as these companies are, now Twitter is not nearly as big, it's twenty two billion versus Google, but um, I think you know, I think you're gonna have to be careful. It's moved down from forty seven dollars or so down to twenty nine this is a support area, $28 or so. It's a support area. If it doesn't hold that $28, um, you know, I'm, I would be getting quite, I'd be, I'd be concerned. It's, it's an expensive stock. It's going to make $0.79 cents next year after making $0.70 cents this year after making $0.44 cents per share last year. So the trajectory of earnings is nice. $29 is going to make $0.80. Cents. So what is that? You know, thirty PE. You know, forty. Uh, it's pretty high. So it's it's been a lot higher than that. Return on equity is very low at seven percent. I I'm not I'm not a fan of Twitter. I'm just not. So I'd probably take some profits if you have profits, and definitely reduce your exposure if you have too much of it. Will in San Diego. How you doing, Will? Oh, pretty good, Steve. I'm uh, looking at a closed-end fund, and I wanted to know what your thoughts are on this. The ticker symbol is TDF. Okay, that's a Templeton Dragon Fund, if I remember right. That's correct. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a closed-end fund investing primarily in Chinese, Japanese, Asian Pacific companies. Now, we know that China has fallen fairly significantly this year, China's stock market, by about 24%. I don't know of the Dragon Fund how much is in China, but I do think that that might be the extent of the fall. So, Will, I wouldn't necessarily get out just because China's weak, because I think it's already been built into the price. So, okay. I, you know, 
I I think you I think you stick with it. I I think oh, it bottomed okay. back in August. It bottomed back in August at eighteen dollars and twenty five cents, and today is nineteen seventy eight. It's going to be kind of a roller coaster ride for you, Will. But I think uh-huh. I think it's already bottomed, so I don't think I'd get out. I oh, don't think okay. So. I stay. I stay with it. At least until okay. next year. Great, great. Okay. okay, I will do that. Thanks for the call, Will. Okay, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, I can see it going back up into the mid twenties. I can see that. I can see it happening. Twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, somewhere in there. And it's at uh, nineteen seventy eight today. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Okay. You know what a top heavy stock market is? Okay. The top heavy stock market, and there's there's we're 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 a little concerned that the market might be top heavy. How you determine that that exists is the amount of money poured into in a short period of time the index funds. For instance, the S and P 500, 11.8 billion dollars I got has gone into the S and P 500 SPY over the past week. 11.8 billion in a week. Okay, uh, and there's nearly 283 billion assets held in the fund already, and that's the SPY, SP 500. 283 billion dollars, and 11.8 billion come in came in in one week. Okay, uh, similarly, products 2.5 billion has gone into the Vanguard S&P 500. 2.5 billion over the past week. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, more broadly, 17.7 billion has flowed into the category large capitalization U.S. stocks in a week. That's what it means by top heavy. It's not that it didn't that it came in; it came in so fast. That money came in really fast, and that generally tends. That generally tends me to believe that we're close to a top, uh, and it could be just a short-term top. You know, it doesn't mean it's going to crash or anything like that. It just means that you could have, you know, you could have just a, uh, a what we call a blow-off top, and that means all the money that's going to come in is in. So what's going to drive it up next month in October? Where the money going to come in if all the money is in? We're, we got to have new money coming in from somewhere. And that's the issue. Usually when you have that much money come in, it's all in at one time. Now, next few weeks, there will be less. If less money's coming in, usually stocks don't keep going up. That's the feeling. 888 chart. Love to talk to you. You know what they say. Time flies by when you're having fun. And today's Invest Talk program is... No, nothing different about it. Goes by the hour goes by real fast to me. We have ten minutes left, everybody. So let's talk about the finance and investment questions you might have on your mind. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. On the next Invest Talk, recession fears are a small dark cloud on the horizon and the Fed will likely try to engineer a soft landing. So, can the Federal Reserve slow the economy without crashing it? Steve will break down the story tomorrow. 
But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Paul in San Jose. How you doing, Paul? Hey, Steve. Really enjoy your show. Me and you are growing old together. I've been listening to you for a long time and love your show. Anyway. Well, I appreciate it. My question is, General Electric, is that buy, sell, or hold, or what do you do with this stock? I'm into it, and I've been trying to income average on it, and it just seems like a If you're in it already... Yeah, if you're in it already, uh, I I don't know if the last two or three days, if I don't know if you saw the news, they had a turbine, uh, a certain type of turbine that had problems with it, and they had to shut it down that they sold recently, and this one of the strongest, their strongest sectors is the turbine sector, and you know I think the news is way overdone because I read the article just before the on on air here. And it looks like the this, the 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 bear's got a hold of it and pushed it down more than it needs to. GE has problems. We know that because that's why the stock is eleven dollars and twenty seven cents. Okay, they have problems, and they're going to make a dollar one next year. So that means the PE is eleven or so. Well, what's their range of PE? Thirteen to ninety. So it's below their five year range based on next year's earnings. Uh, if you own it, Paul, I probably wouldn't sell at this stage. I think it's going to bounce for us. But I don't think I buy more. I would not buy more if you already have a position in it. Don't don't get overloaded in it, because I do think we're eventually. Yeah, I do think eventually they'll go back to twenty bucks a share, but it could take several years. You know, years. I'm older. If I don't, uh, I can wait. My kids can get it. I guess is the way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. By the time they get it. You know, this stock would be worth a decent amount of money. It would be. Pray, pray, thank you for the call, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening for all these years. I do appreciate that. I've been around a long time. It's nice to hear an old voice that's been around with me. Let's go to Sir Ham in San Jose. How you doing, Sir Ham? Hi. Good afternoon. Um, thank you for your show, Steve. Uh, my question was on uh, Century Link. Uh, CTO. I hold the stock. I bought it about um, south of 21. Um, they had a steep drop today because of the CFO leaving. And my question was, is that normal to have that kind of drop just because an executive departs? Or is that something more that I should be looking into? I think you need to look into it. CFO leaving uh, suddenly is a cause of concern. Usually they don't leave that way. CEOs, CEFOs, the big head honcho guys, they usually say, we are going to, I, I'm going to retire, or I'm going to, six months from now, three months from now, I'll be leaving to, to another. They usually give long-term looks so that people can get used to the idea. And if someone leaves immediately, especially as CFO, Chief Financial Officer, the worry is, is there something wrong with the finances? The deuce to the are the books good? Uh, you know, so if you see any hint that there's something wrong with the books, you need to get out. So that is a big issue. Um, I would think that you know I, I would probably exit this stock if it breaks below 1950. I'd probably get out because that's a lot of strong support there um, because. 
it shouldn't, you know, it's going to make a dollar ten this year. That's ten, you know, sixteen percent more than last year. Next year, a dollar twenty-four. That's thirteen percent more next year. Uh, I, I mean, it's 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 a twenty-one dollar stock going to make a dollar twenty-four. So that's what eighteen, nineteen PE. A little on the expensive side, but not super expensive. So you know, with a high dividend yield, very high, ten percent. Uh, so. I worry about it. You want to know why, Shaham? I would find out why. What was the reason for his leaving? If the reason for his leaving was, you know, any way related to the books and records of the company, that, that makes me very nervous. Very nervous. Appreciate the call, Shaham. Thank you. The show's over, everybody. I can't believe they're already done. I'm Steve Peasley. That completes another Investop program. Of course, it was driven again by your questions. It, your questions always make it much more interesting. So I thank you for contributing to the show. And I hope you'll come back tomorrow, and I hope you have a great evening. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.